You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we are back week well, four or yeah, week fourteen now, championship week. Yeah, I'm Jack McCauley alongside Luke Munger. This is the Dogman Intern Podcast, and the Washington Huskies go undefeated, survive an Apple Cup win, a scare from the Cougs, but finish the season twelve and 0, first time since 1991. Yeah. Historic things are happening, and they are set for a big time rematch in Las Vegas. Um, it seems wild. Um, that you know they're playing a great team like Oregon again twice, but they are. Um, I I don't know how you feel about this, but I I low key kind of just feel like Washington's kind of gotten screwed by. I'm not saying I'm not like excited to play play Oregon. I'm not excited for the you know the tall task. What is? But in terms of like what could have been like three four years ago, Washington's gotten screwed by the new Pac-12 rules twice. Oh yeah, because they should have been in the conference if the North South divisions existed last year. They would have played in there again. Yep. If they existed this year, I don't know who would have won the South. Utah, Arizona this year. Arizona, that's right. I should have known that because they, if Oregon have lost on Friday, Arizona would be playing. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's interesting for what it's worth. The Pac-12 does have the two best teams, <laughs> yeah, by far in the conference playing for their championship. Um, and I mean, although the Pac-12 will cease to exist as we know it after this year. I mean, what a spectacle they've created for their final championship game, right? I mean, the third and fifth best teams in the country, um, both playoff caliber teams, the best rivalry in the Western United States, without a doubt. And, and are you can argue argue an up-and-coming top, one of the best rivalries in the nation, too. Certainly. And also a rerun of what has been, at least in my opinion, indisputably the best game in college football this season. Yeah, I don't right? think, I think the only other game you could honestly argue, there's the only two games you could argue that were Alabama, Auburn from this last weekend. And then. Gosh, that one individual play is the craziest thing I've ever watched with my own eyes. But <laughs> I, I honestly can't believe what Hugh Freeze dialed up on defense there. Unbelievable. <laughs> and then also the Red River was a great game too, but I still think Oregon, Washington has bar none been the best game of the year with the stakes <laughs> that were there, the atmosphere. Yeah everything but yeah i mean it's crazy and i guess i guess too i don't know have you let the people know where you're living these days this is yeah well i saw this month i'm in tulsa <laughs> um, my wife's in medical school and we we have a rotation out here we went from tucson the dirty tea to tulsa the dirtier tea <laughs> just kidding. is it that bad is it that bad no dude i actually really like tulsa uh tulsa is very cool um what uh, what is it what is in tulsa though you know, it's a lot more, aside from it being flat, it's a lot more like the Northwest than I expected. Like, it's like kind of gray, cold, fall vibes. The um, only thing I know about Tulsa is like, I, I, there's a show on A&E called The First 48. It's like a it's like a crime show with a bunch of murders and Tulsa's, yeah. always, one of, Tulsa's always one of the hotspots. Really? Oh, dude, yeah. so far. I mean, the, the one thing that's been interesting about Tulsa is there's just not a lot of people here. Like what really? we just got back from dinner <laughs> like we went to this restaurant in like downtown tulsa and at no point were there more 
than five non-staff members in the restaurant. It was crazy. I'm like, how are they paying rent here? (laughs) 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 Like, how is this restaurant staying alive? Um, Paying rent from the fat tips you're leaving. That's what's exactly. Yeah, that's right. High rolling. Um, Now, Jack, your turn. You told me before this podcast, I wanted you to save the explanation that you'll be watching from the Big Apple correct i will be watching from the big apple i've been i found a husky bar there too i have a friend a high school friend who i'll be a good high school friend who'll be going to see he's been asking me to come out so i was like you know like let's do it i've never been to new york would love to go go hang out with him see him and then also just experience the city because i've never been he's been to a couple of husky bars or like there are a husky bar he went there for the oregon UW game said it's awesome so i'll be watching the game from Frielli or so if you if you if you're ha- if you're happening to be listening from New York City I'll be there I'll be in attendance um so I'm excited I obviously wish I could have been in Vegas to see this game because I mean it's gonna be what I, everything that we all the superlatives that we laid out it, for that first game it's like yeah. boom times two dude well it's crazy I was thinking about it I was talking because uh, I've gone to the two conference championships that Washington played in Levi Stadium. One obviously against Colorado in 2016 when the Huskies made the playoff. One my senior year when they went to the Rose Bowl and beat Utah 10-3. But like the, the environment and, and partially again it will be because it's Oregon Washington, but the environment in Las Vegas will be 7 billion times cooler than it was in Levi Stadium. Like the Levi Stadium, I don't know if did you go to any of those Pac-12 championship games? I, I, no, I don't, I don't know. But are you sure San Jose doesn't have a lot to hide? <laughs> I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious. Those games were goofy and, like, empty. <laughs> Just, like, weird, you know? So Nothing going on. Yeah. yeah. It, they, I remember, like, always them panning around. They are always afraid to show, like, the upper deck because there was literally nothing there. I know, for sure. They're trying not even to show beyond the first few rows. <laughs> so bad. So, yeah, I think that'll be awesome. And like you said, I mean, I think this – has as high of intrigue of any conference championship in college football because the winner of this game will be playing in the college football playoff, which is very cool. It's essentially a quarterfinal, um, which is I'm not new to that take. Uh, I think Chris is Chris Fetters has put it on Twitter a few times. Yeah, like an um, to a quarterfinal. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I it's definitely like mounting up to be. It is a quarterfinal game because the winner. I don't know how Oregon. Like, unless the committee, unless I, I honestly, the only re- reason I could see Oregon not making it would be like if Alabama somehow won and then Florida State won and Michigan won. So there's Michigan, Florida State, and then they think Alabama and Texas would jump them because Alabama's win and then uh, Alabama Gosh. had the best win of the year. Yeah. I, I still think Oregon, but by the way, they're being that Oregon. Oregon has been treated by the committee. And I'm not saying like, I'm not saying that it's undeserved. I mean, Oregon. We'll get into it, but it's been, aside from losing to Washington, has been spectacular this season, right? Yeah. I don't think anybody would deny that they're one of the premier teams of college football. So I guess it's possible, but a lot would have to happen. <laughs> yeah, a lot would have to happen. But Washington, obviously, if they make, if they win, they have a for sure 1,000% yeah. chance of making the playoff. If they lose, there's still a chance. I do think a lot would have to go their way. Obviously, Florida State losing, and then Alabama losing as well, and then 
Texas would have to probably lose lose to, their Big Twelve championship. But yeah, I still think Ohio. They, I mean, I think Ohio State would probably get the nod over. I don't. Yeah, I, it, I just feel like the committee would take two Big Ten teams over two Pac twelve teams at that point. Yeah, um, unless unless Washington. What I think they'll. I think if, if it's a close one, if they lose on like a last second field goal or something, you have to essentially treat Washington and Oregon as the same team at that almost at that point, right? Well, yeah. So I guess what you'd be saying there is that at home, Washington ended up winning and Oregon had a chance to tie it at the end. And then if on a neutral field, Washington had a chance to tie or win it at the end, but fell short, you'd say that basically these teams have played 120 minutes against each other and have had zero points. Separated. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right? So, yeah. Um, and it's like, I don't man. know, how do you fault the team? How do you fault the team too? Like last year, TCU lost and they didn't even move a spot. Like they for stayed. sure. It's just it's so different this year because what's I, I guess just what's so different about it this year is that there are so many other undefeated teams. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like this is obviously unprecedented. We could have uh, four undefeated conference champions in the college football playoff, which would be unbelievable. Just that's, simply unbelievable. that's at that yeah. point, that's what I'm rooting for too. Just selfishly because I want to play in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Um, and I know for a fact that that's what would happen. That would that would be perfect for college football. I think. Yeah. I think that would be, you get two East Coast teams playing in a classic East Coast bowl. Yeah. Obviously, you get a history, and then you get a Big Ten mount, or you get a big Big Ten Pac twelve. Yeah. I think that'd be that'd be the best way for it to go out. Certainly. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. But so you said. I mean, obviously, we've talked about scenarios, and if this was a close game, Las Vegas does not think this would be a particularly close game. Um. Having Oregon is nine and a half, I think, point favorites now. Yeah. I remember exactly. We've previewed this team before. I don't know how much you want to dive into the nitty gritty here. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess let's just start. I think one thing that's interesting, I went back and looked. Oregon throws the ball more than they run it this year for the first time since Mike Bellotti was head coach in 2006 uh, with Dennis Dixon under center or behind center. Um, But I think – the way that they utilize Bo Nix, like their throwing game, a lot of their throwing games like an extension of the run game, right? Like, uh, because he's, well, first of all, he's completed 88% of his passes within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. So a lot of those, you know, they're just like rapid fire, quick, get them out there. They have a lot of guys who are great after the catch. It's essentially like a lot of those, whether it's a screen or some sort of short pass, it's almost like an extension of the run game. What do you is that fair to say? I think it's completely fair to say. Uh, Bonix, I think it's what 69, 70% of his passes are completed within like five yards or something like that. His so, average depth of target is seven yards. And I will say, I'll be the first yards, to say while we're going down this rabbit hole that I like, I don't think this is a criticism of Bonix. Like, I think Bo also, we can get into this later too, but when he's been asked to throw the ball downfield, has been very effective. Um, and I think like his ability to make quick decisions, get the ball where it needs to be and like keep it out of harm's way, make him like one of the best operators of offenses in the country. So I do want to be clear about that. Like, I, think yeah, I mean, he's a Heisman candidate player. for a reason. I think it's more of just like a good for you to will sign like in schematically, like that's yeah. kind of what it is. Like that's where they, they're, they want to dial things up. Like they're going to want to just, they, it's a true spread offense. I feel like they just want to spread you out. Uh-huh. And really good with their checkdowns. 
I mean, Bucky Irving, you know, they want to get their playmakers in space for sure. You know, whether it's wide receiver screens, you know, you know, maybe run some deep routes and use that as a decoy to get Bucky Irving like one-on-one with a linebacker in the flat. Sure. Um, they don't go, they don't go down the field though too much. I will say Bo Nix has yeah. had only 18 or 19 passes over 20 yards the entire season. Uh, he has been when he does go deep, it's almost exclusively to Troy Franklin. Yes. And I will say like Troy Franklin, obviously not breaking news here, but is also like he's a like a premier college football deep threat. He cooked the Huskies twice on deep balls. One of them was on third down on the final or on the second to last possession Oregon had where Washington ended up getting it back on their uh, fourth down failed attempt. If you recall, and he had a touchdown. If I is that correct? That was a yeah, long pass. He yeah, he did. Um, um, I think I think what I kind of guess now getting over to the, like how do you defend Troy Franklin? Because that obviously it's no secret that that's their best receiver yeah. that they have. Um, and he's obviously lined up on the outside. I think you exclusively just have to have Muhammad shadow him. I know, like college it's a little bit harder to do that, you know, just based off like what schemes and, yeah. you know, whatnot and you know, how far you can use the hash marks in college and whatnot and whatnot. But I do think you have to put Muhammad with him wherever he goes. I don't think Elijah Jackson necessarily has, I think that's when they're going to try to utilize the deep ball. Is he when has Jack- if they can get favorable. They're going to look for matchups. The one thing yeah. uh, I was going to say, Troy Franklin Compared to, for like, Jabbar Muhammad versus Elijah Jackson, he would have a larger size and probably catch radius advantage against Jabbar Muhammad. I do think Jabbar has obviously been more effective in coverage. But even with that catch radius thing, you would need to – and I'm not saying that he's not capable of this at all. He's proven that when he does throw downfields, he can. Uh, But you need – like, if you have Jabbar Muhammad on Troy Franklin, uh, you you are – if Bo is going to make that throw, he's going to have to make a very good throw, uh, which again, he's capable of. And I think Troy Franklin is obviously a really good receiver. So, uh, but I agree. I mean, Washington maximizing the opportunities to have their best guy on Oregon's best deep threat. Yeah. I think is a good idea. I think another person that I want to highlight of this receiver room is I, I think uh, Tez Johnson. Yeah. That they have a, it's just a clear one, two punch, you know, Troy Franklin, Tez Johnson combined for like 75% of the team. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like in these last few weeks or since playing Washington, Oregon's been beating their opponents by 26 points a game. And it feels like every time I'm like watching sports center or whatever, at the end of the day, like I see a Tez Johnson, like quick out or a screen pass go 75 yards to the house. <laughs> like, it just it happens every game, you know? It's yeah, crazy. yeah. So, I think Reese Powell has to do a really good job within the slot there. Yeah. Containing him. Um, that's no factor. I mean, Terrence Ferguson, I, I still hope he's okay from that injury, but, you know, he'll be a big factor um, within the game as well. He's more of like a red zone, you know, move the chains, first down kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a 380 yards on the season. Gary Bryant, another guy who actually got banged up last week. People were saying he was on a cast. I never saw, or he had like he had crutches in a cast. I huh. never saw that, but it looked, it sounds like Lanning said he, they should be good to go with him. Interesting. Um, but he's definitely someone to look out for because he's their primary kick returner. Yeah. And he's third receiver as well. Um, and who can be used in a variety of ways. Not clearly like doesn't have the utilization as the top two guys, but 
you know, with that being said, he's still somebody who gets the ball in his yeah. hands quite often. Just wrapping up the offense, obviously they have the one-two punch of Becky Irving and Jordan James. So Becky Irving is leading the conference in missed tackles forced on PFF. I was playing around on PFF today. I need to give you my PFF login, by the way, if you want it. Uh, but I can message you that later. <laughs> but uh, and then why, why don't you just tell everybody? Why don't you just yeah, tell exactly. <laughs> um, and then I was going to try to think of a funny password. I just couldn't come up with anything. But then uh, so Jordan James and Becky Irving are second and third in the conference on yards after contact per carry as well behind only Jonah Coleman of Arizona. So uh, very effective runners. They run behind a great offensive line, but they also like make things happen in their own right. If that makes sense. Like they're not just beneficiaries of a great offensive line. They are really dynamic and difficult to tackle. Yeah. I think obviously I too, I mean, there, this is a team that everybody's well aware of. I think everybody kind of knows. The, per- the sure. challenge that Bucky Irving. When I think of Bucky Irving, I think of on that final on the drive where Washington got their final fourth down stop. Uh, they had a TFL on first down, and then it was second and twelve. And I can't remember if it was a handoff or like a like a like a swing pass to the outside. And Washington had Bucky Irving like dead to rights in the backfield, and he literally froze time. <laughs> ended up like I think he made two Patala and someone else miss, and then ended up picking up like nine yards. But yeah. it, was, it was literally, it was unbelievable. I've, I've never seen someone just like, it was like freaking, what's his name? The, uh, Dr. Strange, the Marvel character or something. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. He, like his ability to like, like, that's what they're so good at is like getting their playmakers in space and dialing things up to where they have enough room to use their speed, quickness, and agility to go break cool. tackles. Like that's what they're so good. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I think kind of getting over to the defensive side here, I feel like Oregon's defense has played a lot better. Mm-hmm. I feel like their offense has always been, you know, Quick. they've scored the early season, but since they played Washington, I really felt like that's the team. That's the yeah. side of the ball that stepped up for this team. For sure. um, they have a lot of, they're really, they have a lot of leaders here on this team. Um, I think if I had to, you know, name a couple people that I feel like have really improved their game, or even just, you know, gotten recognition. I think the two would be Evan Williams and Taki yeah. Taimani. Yeah, Taki Taimani. He obviously former Husky. But I feel like last year he didn't he would he didn't do anything really for Oregon last year. He was not a guy who was actively, you know, making splash plays for them. But this year this year, especially the second half of the season, has been a key cog in the run defense. And then Evan Williams has been very good over 
over the middle. He wore a gigantic club last week. I don't know if you saw I that. I saw that, dude. Massive. Like, that felt almost, like, illegal. That looked like it was illegal <laughs> no. to play a club that big. It was literally like he took a boulder and, like, taped it to his hand. Yeah. <laughs> it was maybe the biggest I've seen. But, yeah, he's been fantastic. One thing that, that I think stood out playing around on P- PFF today is not only Taki Taimani, but Oregon's entire defensive front, like, too deep at both of their end spots and in their interior defensive line grayed out very well. Like it's a physical defensive line. Washington will have their hands full up front there. Obviously Jordan Birch um, and Brandon Dorless are a couple of names to keep an eye out for on the edges. They're another team that's like Oregon state. They aren't as productive in the sack numbers. I think they're like 28th nationally in sacks, um, but they're like a pass rush by committee kind of situation you know what i mean like they don't have anybody with eye-popping sack numbers but they are able to get pressure on the quarterback yeah, they like a really good run defending team too on the off yes. the edge like doorless doorless and jordan birch are both like fantastic at defending the run I, w- I think i think doorless is good at getting to the getting to the quarterback birch i just don't feel like he necessarily has like that kind of quickness in his bag, but I feel like he's so strong at holding the edge on the Yeah, run. he does hold the edge extremely well, like you said. I think both edges do a very good job in that. And then as a result, the team gives up hardly more than three yards a carry. One thing to keep an eye on in the secondary, uh, Dewell Florence is kind of questionable. Dante Manning would start in his presence. He's a guy who's started five games for Oregon before and is a former five-star recruit and has been playing some good football as well. So they have some depth back there. That's another thing to consider when Washington, I don't know, it's it, it's hard to say where Washington's receiving room is at right now. Because on one hand, this will be the first time all year that they'll have their entire receiving court at their disposal. Giles Jackson, Jalen McMillan, people like that. On the other hand, Jalen Polk hasn't caught a pass in a couple of games. Jalen McMillan did catch five passes, but they were all behind or very near the line of scrimmage last week against WSU. So it's hard to know exactly like how full speed those guys are. It's just something to keep in mind. If Washington ends up being at full capacity out wide and they're able to get the A games of their receivers, that could be something good if Washington is able to keep Penix upright, uh, that Washington may be able to tilt the skills their way. Yeah, I think that's a good call out. Um, Julio Florence did have a tough time. Is he is he normally the backup? Who's the... Well, so Florence and Manning have kind of both started, I guess, this year. Okay. Florence has started more. Florence has started more? Okay, because yes. I remember... Whoever the backup was in the Oregon game, someone got hurt in the Oregon game. Yeah, and... there was that. There was like a screen to Odunze where two guys got hurt, if I remember. Um, yeah, yeah. And thanks to what's his name, um, Faltano. Yeah, I can't remember. I just remember like seeing remember a screen and like bodies hit the floor, and then Odunze picked up a bunch of yards, and then like, yeah, it's just <laughs> that. That was that. I don't know. That was something. Yeah, I um, yeah, I think. Gosh, I yeah, I think I think that's gonna be a big time matchup. You know, you really have to Jalen McMillan Jalen McMillan has to be able to come back to his 2022 self. And then additionally as well, Jim Polk. Jalen Polk, he's got the yips, it looks like. He's just I think you've got to get a pass out to him, a quick pass out to him, let him get some of that confidence back, get some mojo back. I think that's important because he hasn't caught a ball in three games. So last time he caught a ball was against Utah. So, you know, I think getting that back is really important. Yeah, additionally, you know, you really hope to. They've been saying it. They're, this is the healthiest they've been all year. Dylan Johnson didn't look like he could cut too much last game. It looked like he was having was trouble good. going up. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think you know, having him at full scale, being able to do what he does, is extremely important as well. 
we're getting a notification on Zoom that we're running out of time. So we're going to progress along here. I'm going to start with, we can't pick the pack this week because it's only Washington, Oregon, but we can pick the Power 5 Conference Championships. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, we're going to start with, if you've got Washington's minus or plus 9.5 was bad, we're going to decide if Iowa plus 23 has a chance to knock off the Wolverines. <laughs> the yeah, that Hawkeye, I mean, that Hawkeye's offense is one of the best in the nation. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we position. both have anything to say about that. It's going to be Michigan. Dude, a 35 and a half point over under is still crazy. But yes, it will be Michigan. Don't need to spend a lot of time there. Then we'll go to the Big 12, where Texas hosts Oklahoma State. Uh, the Big 12 has just been interesting this year, I would say. Texas, I feel like, is the far superior team of that group. It would have been awesome if BYU could have hung on and then had an Oklahoma-Texas rematch for the Big 12 championship. So America was done a disservice by that one. But uh, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I Oklahoma State had the easiest schedule in the Big 12 this year, playing all four newcomers, who neither of which uh, made a dent really in the conference. Um, But Mike Gundy is capable of pulling some tricks up his sleeve. But with that being said, I think Texas had a lot of motivation. They had an outstanding game last week. I like the Longhorns. Yeah. You know, gosh, I'm actually very tempted to pick against Texas because aside from last week, really since losing to Oklahoma and absolutely pounding Kansas the week before, they had not looked very good. Kind of honestly doing what Washington's doing right now and just finding a way to survive by one score. Not sure that that's super sustainable, but uh, I won't disagree with you on that one. We will then go to the third of four non-Pac-12 conference championships in terms of intrigue to me. This is maybe the wrong choice for three of four. Or I guess this is the second most. It should maybe be the most intriguing, but we've got the SEC championship. Georgia, Alabama, one versus eight, 12 and 0 versus 11 and one. Two teams with comp- or with uh, national title hopes. What yeah, we- I think Georgia's going to get it done. I just I just think that Alabama offense is going to have a little bit of a tougher time um, against, against Georgia. Um, I, I just think, I mean, Georgia's really hitting their stride right now. I, I, I see them having a tough, tough time against the Bulldogs. Yeah. I think Georgia might win by a couple scores, to be honest. Yeah. I think two scores is like completely fair. What about, what about the ACC? Obviously. That's where I'm going. I think that one's fascinating just because we have Louisville, who I think people have been sus about all year, despite, I mean, what, at one point, I think they were nine and one and ranked like 11th in the country. Right? Yeah. So not a ton of belief on that side. Former Cal quarterback Jack Plummer, by the way, taking That's on all you need to know. Yes, taking on Florida State, uh, Jordan Travis lists Florida State, who if they win, they're in. People have done everything but written them off, basically. So what do you see in the ACC championship? Yeah, I think Florida State's still gonna get it done. I just think Louisville. I thought I said I mentioned something about Oklahoma State schedule being easy. Louisville's was ten times easier. They had the toughest or the easiest schedule in the entire country. It's I think I think Florida State finds a way to win. I think it's an ugly game though. Agreed. I, I wanted to pick something different from you, but I I think that Florida State even wins comfortably here. Like you said, Louisville. I just don't know how real it is, and I think it would be awesome. <laughs> I don't know, like number four. Florida State without Jordan Travis taking on Georgia in the first round of the college football playoff would be kind of funny as well. Great. Okay, we've got to go to bets to bark. 
Um, Jack, do you want me to kick it off or are you going first? Um, you got it. All right. I'm going to start on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to go with a guy who's played, if not in every game in most, but has been kind of on a pitch count for a while. He only played the last series on defense of the Washington state game. Uh, and he will be needed heavily against Oregon's, uh, strong tandem rushing attack. Give me Tuli, Latuli, Nas, and Noah as my bet to bark clogging things up in the middle. There we go. I was, I was coin flipping between him and somebody else. Looks like you won the coin toss um, and you yeah. deferred Tuli. Hey, the um, last time we went and tried to pick the same person, it was Mish Powell and he had a pick six to win the Arizona state game. I will just yeah, put my other, my, yes. My other candidate who I was deciding between is Jabbar Muhammad. Uh-huh. I think he's got to have a big game against, uh Troy Franklin you know I think if you're able to cut out one of their options then that does a lot so I think Jabbar Muhammad has a big game all right let's snake draft this you go quarter or you go offense now I deferred the toss yeah uh offensively we mentioned him I he he gosh man I you know what I'm gonna do it I'm I I was gonna go Jalen Polk but I'm just gonna say Michael Penix do it glad that you did this is this is a legacy game for him you know Mm -hmm. I think it's a it's a Heisman moment kind of game, and he's got to bring everything he has into this game. So I, I'm going to go Michael Penix. I think that's a great call. I mean, if the Huskies are going to win this game, they will need Michael Penix to be on his A game. So then I will go to the beneficiary of Michael Penix being on his A game, the closest thing to a cheat code in college football. Roma Dunze is my bet to bark. I think he's 128 yards away from Reggie Williams' single-season record for the Washington Huskies and would love to see him break that on Friday. Sweet. Jack, we have two minutes and 25 seconds here to wrap this up. What is your confidence interval? Dude, I think I've, I've been going back and forth on this one the entire week. What kind of like we're, I think it's a good way to end it because we started with kind of talking about the line for this game and, you know, we're kind of finishing in that same sort of regard with the line being nine and a half. I think that's, way too generous for Oregon. I don't think that's, I don't think that's fair. Washington has only lost two games since DeBoer was here. DeBoer is a master at playing up to their competition and getting his guy ready for those big games. As he said, they're built for this. Mm -hmm. But with that being said, Vegas does typically have a pretty good idea of where things are going to go. So I'll say about a four and a half Mm -hmm. game. I think for that also, it's just really good to be a, it's really hard to beat a good team twice, let alone three times and, Two seasons, so. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to say a little bit under 500, but I still think it's going to be a heck of a ball game. And like if Washington wins, it's not like I'm going to be like jaw jaw drop down to the ground. Yeah. I'm going to maybe just go slightly above and I'm going to pick a dead even five out of 10. And I really, I just feel like this is a coin flip. I think even though Washington has not necessarily played to what I feel like most Husky fans would say is their standard. I think these are two evenly matched teams on a neutral field. And I think that Friday is going to be a heck of a college football game. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Jack, we got to wrap this up so that we can get this on over to Chris dogman.com pre post in game coverage. We've got Husky basketball happening this week as well. So that's the place to be a uh, happy conference championship weekend. Go dogs. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs>